Good morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to Back to Church Sunday. Welcome to an opportunity of churches around the nation celebrating and encouraging people back to church. And uh, certainly you have chosen to worship with us here in person. Other people are worshiping with us online through Facebook, uh, also worshiping with us uh, on YouTube, people listening online through our website or through the iTunes uh, podcast, so a lot of different ways that people are connecting. Uh, Our message series this month is entitled Stronger Together, and that is the theme of the Back to Church Sunday. And so what we're encouraging you to do is... Well, you're already here, or you're already listening online, but we want to invite you to invite somebody with you, and uh, whether that's to come and worship with you next week, Sundays at 1030, or uh, maybe you're watching at home, invite somebody to watch with you, start a watch party on Facebook, or uh, whatever it takes to encourage somebody to be a part of church and worship with you. And so in person, online, listening, watching, a lot of different ways, thank you for joining with us. So in our study, the Stronger Together message series, uh, we began by looking at James chapter 2. We took a look at the description of and then a prescription for partiality, favoritism. How do you handle, how do you face some of those things? Last week, we took a look at Ephesians chapter 2. And we looked at principles on how to be built together in the midst of a broken world. And Paul wrote about what we were. You and I, before Christ, he describes all of the things, how how far away we were from the Lord, but God. Two powerful words that encouraged us. And then he wrote about, because of what God had done in our lives, it's no longer what we were, but this is who we now are. And he encouraged us to live like that. And so uh, we are encouraged to be built together in Christ, even in the midst of a broken and many times divisive world. So we've been in James chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's keep the chapter 2 going and turn with me in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. And while you're turning there, uh, we'll give you just kind of a a quick review as to where we are in Scripture. Uh, That's in the New Testament. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, writing uh, the, the accounts of Jesus His birth and his life and his miracles, healings, teachings, and then his death, burial, and resurrection. So the book of Acts begins, and Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus with some final instructions to his disciples, and then he's taken up, he ascends into heaven. But some of those instructions were to wait for the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, the very beginning, that's exactly what takes place. On the day of Pentecost, uh, the believers were gathered together, this local body of Christians who were following Jesus. They were gathered together. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire upon their heads. They were speaking in unknown languages. And it was a powerful day, so much so that people around thought they were drunk. They were babbling on, and yet they said, listen, we're not drunk. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter gets up and begins to preach, and he goes back from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He preaches Jesus Christ, so much so that then the people respond, what shall we do? 
That's, that's what you want to hear. When the Word of God goes forward and someone, uh, their heart is so touched, so changed, so challenged that they respond and say, what shall we do? Before, uh, before even the altar call, before even altar music, the people are responding. What do we do? In response to the powerful message of the gospel, and so he says simply to repent and be saved. Repent, be baptized, and 3,000 people responded. That's a powerful day. That's a powerful message. And so all of this took place leading up to where we are, Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42 and following. This is some of the accounts of the early church. The early church, the believers of Jesus Christ following Jesus death and resurrection. Now there are believers and followers who are gathering and uniting together. And this is what it says. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, it says, they, the early church, these early believers who were worshiping together, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, in that passage, there's one word that really kind of describes the pattern of the early church. In fact, it's repeated a number of times. It's that word, together. Three different times it talks about the believers, the early church, those who knew Jesus Christ, who had responded to Jesus Christ. It says they were together, together, together. And they are stronger the early church was stronger as they gathered together. And so we're going to take a look at that. This is a great pattern, a great passage of Scripture to look at and find principles that illustrate what God desires in you and me as part of the church today, this local body of believers, Alger Assembly of God. We are a body of believers who love God and desire to serve God. So how can we be stronger together? So the local church is stronger together when we, number one, connect. Now, if you've been with Alger Assembly of God for a little while, specifically here in the year of 2020, much of what we're looking at today, it might sound a little familiar because we began the year looking at 2020 vision, and some of these are thoughts that we have covered at the very beginning of the year. This is a different passage of Scripture, but as we look at the early church, we're going to see that much of uh, our vision for 2020 and beyond is what the early church was following. So we are stronger together when we connect. Verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to fellowship in the breaking of bread. Verse 44, all the believers were together. <clears throat> Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, broke bread in their homes, and ate together. That's a lot of togetherness. That's a lot of 
connecting. They were becoming a family and, and devoted to fellowship. Now, their fellowship doesn't just mean that they were getting together or eating, although they did. But in today's day, in today's church, when we hear fellowship, that tends to be code word for what? Eating, right? Food. In fact, there is a, a room in this church facility which tends to be called a fellowship hall. And we're not the only ones. Alger Assembly of God is not the only one. Many churches have something similar. It's called a fellowship hall, which really means that's where we go to eat. Right? We're having a church fellowship. Uh, you know, uh, we've had church picnics, church fellowships, this and that. And whether the church is supplying food or we provide some and you bring some, we get together and we call it fellowship. And that's true. But it's not just about eating together. Although in verse 46, that's part of what they did is they ate together. So uh, understand our food time, our meal time, that can be part of fellowship, but that's not the only part of fellowship. That's not the only way that we can connect. Now, it's a good way, right? I mean, if you got a, a nice meal, whether you're out in a restaurant or you're at a home, uh, you know, whether it's anything from pizza or steak, whether it's a cup of coffee, I mean, it's good to hang out to be together with somebody. But fellowship is more than just a meal. As we look at the early church, they were committed really to doing or spending their life together. They were, they were not trying to live separated and individual. We were created for community. We were created to connect together. Sometimes, don't you ever feel like you have been isolated? And certainly in the midst of our COVID situation, there's been a lot more of separation, right? A couple months ago, as most of you know, coming down with covid and being quarantined, isolated, literally in the bedroom for two weeks. Seeing Kimmy helping so faithfully, coming in as a little nurse, you know, with meals. And maybe seeing the girls at the door waving. I mean, we were being good. We were doing everything we were supposed to do. But those two weeks are a little bit interesting, right? A little bit challenging because there's not the connection, you feel isolated when you are not connected. And those two weeks were challenging. It's one thing you know that people know, but not seeing or not hearing from or not, not connecting with, it's a different kind of feeling. And many times we can go through life with or without COVID, with or without this, this current modern-day situation, and many times people are isolating themselves and choosing not to be connected one to another. What we see is the early church was stronger together as they were connecting. There are a lot of different ways that they connected together. They were together, they met together, they ate together. They were kind of living their life together, not isolated, not just trying to live their own life, their own way, all by themselves. 
kind of seemed like they were convinced they had something to be able to share with somebody else. You might think about it like this. Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, Paul says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Mutually encouraged. It's hard to be mutually encouraged when you are separating yourself from the body. True? And so even in the midst of this COVID situation, it's a challenge. There's a lot more of the isolation, a lot more of the the safety and precautions. We're stronger together however we are able to connect. And we're mutually encouraged, it says, by each other's faith. Now, we can be mutually encouraged by each other's food. Can I get an amen? There we go. I mean, when, when you're splitting a, a chocolate chip cookie, you know, when you're splitting some chicken and noodles, whatever it is, I mean, you are, your stomachs are mutually encouraged. But it's not just being mutually encouraged by food. It's being mutually encouraged, Paul says, by one another's faith. How are you mutually encouraged by someone's faith? You've got to connect with them. Biblical fellowship, it's as we share our life and we share our heart with others, but then we're open to and ready for and willing to receive the same from someone else. So I'm going to kind of share some of me with you, but willing to receive what you have to share and to speak into my life. That's fellowship. It's more than, it, it includes eating together. That's good. But more than eating together, they were connecting together. They were sharing and living and doing life together. One commentary says this, Fellowship is the spiritual duty of believers to stimulate each other to holiness and faithfulness. Part of our fellowship, part of our connecting together is encouraging, stimulating one another towards holiness and towards faithfulness. It's difficult to do that, to encourage someone, to to stimulate someone to grow in God and to have faithfulness and holiness if we're not connecting with them. The good, good part here is they had glad and sincere hearts. That's how they broke bread. That's how they ate together. They were simply real with one another. Glad and sincere hearts. When you really connect with someone, when you really get to know someone, aren't you honest? Aren't you you, the real you? Not the putting on the the front or putting on the mask, Uh, not just the COVID mask, but sometimes our figurative mask. Sometimes we kind of portray a false picture of who we are. But when you really connect with someone, when you really get to know someone, you know strengths and weaknesses about them. They know strengths and weaknesses about you. You're really about connecting. You're real, genuine, sincere. We don't, have to, we don't have to pretend things are better than they are to be liked. We don't need to pretend that things are worse than they really are to tr- try to get sympathy. We're just real and connecting. The early church was stronger together as they connected. And I believe, still believe, Months after COVID has started and months after sharing 2020 vision and beyond, some of what we talked about then 
is still applicable. So here's a handful of things we touched on back in January about connecting. We talked about engaging our community. Now, that looks a little different in the midst of the COVID season. However long that season is, how we engage looks a little different. But we're doing a little bit more of online engagement, maybe a little bit less of in-person engagement. We talked about engaging our community, utilizing our facilities, worshiping God, and fellowshipping with one another. What can you do, what can I do to do better at connecting with someone? The, the pattern of the early churches they connected, they got together. Again, things might look a little different. We can still, under different uh, precautions and guidelines, be in person one with another. We can still utilize technology such as a phone to call, to text, to communicate one with another. Whether that's a, a text, whether that's an email, whatever that might be. Utilizing social media for some good in the midst of a lot of things that's not so good amongst it. What can you do? What can I do to help this local body reach out and connect better and stronger one with another? In the early church, they were stronger together because they were connecting. And I believe it's still the case for you and I today that we are stronger together when we connect. Allow God to, to challenge us with ways to better connect. Secondly, I gave you the hint, I gave you the clue, so you probably know where we're going. But the early church was and the local church is stronger together when we, number two, grow. Verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Again, we read to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. Two highlighted things that indicated how they were growing was the apostles' teaching and prayer. Growing means we're becoming a disciple. We're becoming a follower, a learner of Jesus Christ. We are to grow. Aren't you thankful that we can? I mean, physically, many of you in your families, you've had these little ones called babies. But they didn't stay babies long. I mean, it's hard to imagine and hard to believe sometimes, even looking at our home and our girls, how, how they were so little not too long ago. But they grew. They grew physically. Pretty soon, both girls, I think, are going to be passing up mom. Kim's just kind of resigned to that fact. Autumn's left her in the dust, and Brookie's right about there. They, they come home in your arms, right? And you can kind of rock them like this. But pretty soon they start growing, 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 and growing. And in fact, if they're not growing, we tend to think, and, and many doctors and physicians would see, well, there's something physically wrong as to why they're not growing because the, the little life is supposed to grow. Physically, they are supposed to grow. Well, it's... True in the physical is true in the spiritual. You and I, when we come to Jesus Christ, we're spiritually kind of a, a little baby being rocked back and forth. But we don't know a, a whole lot at that time about the Word of God. For some, maybe like myself, I was a child when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. 
And as a child, certainly I'm still doing some physical growing, but there's a lot to learn spiritually. This is an awful big book for a little one, right? And so, you know, it takes a while, little by little by little, to learn. Maybe you were an adult when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Spiritually speaking, you're an infant. You're, you're little by little to grow in discipleship, grow in, in being a, a learner or a follower of Jesus Christ. So we're not to stay as, as a, a little child spiritually, but little by little, we are to learn and we are to grow. And we see a couple of ways, the teaching of the apostles and prayer. What were the apostles teaching? The word of God. They were preaching and teaching what Jesus Christ had been saying. They were preaching and teaching from uh, the books of the Old Testament, the prophets that at that point had been written down that they had. They were excited to learn and grow in their understanding of God's Word. But it's more, it's more than just knowing the Word of God. It's applying the Word of God. That's one thing that in many, many churches, in many, many individuals all across the world is key. Far too many of us know more than we apply. If we're not careful, we can learn and learn and learn and learn, and it's all up here, but it's not lived out in our life. A disciple, a learner, or a follower, it's not just understanding. It's not just uh, being able to quote or recite Bible verses or, or books of the Bible or, or facts and figures and trivia from God's Word. It's important to know it, yes, but let's, let's understand what it says. Let's then live it out and let's apply it. We can do it as we read. We can do it like you're doing right now, hearing God's Word. Each and every day, I want to encourage you to get into the Word of God. We've got Bible copies of our daily bread. There's many different ways, as we've said over the, the past number of years, a lot of uh, online and a lot of app opportunities, lots of different ways to help you get connected to grow in God. If you're more of a paper copy person, read God's Word just like this, page after page, and, and grab a free paper copy of the Our Daily Bread devotion on the way out. For some, maybe a little bit more of the app-conscious individual technology, then grab a cell phone, grab a tablet, and we'll guide and direct you to some apps that you can download. They're for free. They've got Bible reading plans and guides and devotionals and videos, and it's all geared to help you what? Grow. To be a, a disciple, a learner, a follower of Jesus Christ. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to getting into God's Word, to hear it, to learn it, to understand it. It also mentioned about the breaking of bread. And we, we would call that the Lord's Supper. We would call that communion. And we seek to do that on a regular basis. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We read through the book of Acts and see time after time how powerful and how important prayer is. Now, let me backtrack just a moment. It's not just in the book of Acts that we see how important prayer is. If you go back into the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, what do we see? We see God's people praying. 
We see the pattern, the example of Jesus Christ, and he prayed. And here in the book of Acts, yes, the early believers, the early church, they were committed to and devoted to prayed. The book of Acts said that they were praying as they waited for the promised Holy Spirit. You go through the book of Acts, they prayed before they preached, they prayed before they went, they prayed before they sent people out. They prayed while they were before kings, they prayed in prison cells, they prayed before they chose deacons or selected missionaries to send out. The power of their ministry was traced back to this dependence and focus on prayer. They were growing in prayer. Verse 43 is powerful. It says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Wonders and signs. Signs and wonders as a result of the teaching, the breaking of bread, and the commitment and the focus to prayer. The early church was committed to grow and they were able to be stronger together as they grow. And I believe... Our local body can be stronger together as we grow. To revisit our 2020 and beyond vision that we looked at a number of months ago, we talked about studying faithfully, getting into God's word on a regular basis. We talked about praying regularly. Not just on a Sunday morning as we gather together and, and uh, somebody leads in prayer, not just at a mealtime, although that's good, not just at bedtime, although that's good. Praying regularly. We talked about fasting intentionally. More than just skipping a meal and saying, wow, pat myself on the back, I guess I fasted. But intentionally going without, many times it's food, many times it's something else in our life that we, uh, in its place of this, we say, God, I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to pray, I'm going to worship, I'm going to get into your word, I'm going to seek you. So we've talked about studying faithfully, praying regularly, fasting intentionally, seeking the Spirit intensely. This is Acts chapter 2, the end of the chapter. We recounted for you chapter 1. Jesus talked about the fact to wait for the, the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 was the day of Pentecost. And so they were continuing in that power of Pentecost, continuing in the apostles' teaching, continuing in prayer. All of those were things that helped them to grow in God. They didn't just simply make a decision to follow Jesus Christ and then stop there. They desired to continue to grow. So the local church can be just like the early church, you and I as members of our local body, we are stronger together as we connect one with another and as we grow in God. Thirdly, we can be stronger together as we serve. Verse 44 and 5, it said, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to Anyone who had need. The early church was others-centered and not self-centered. Their goal was, how can we bless somebody else, not just what's good for me? See, they were letting God use them to take care of one another's needs. 
You might call it ministry. Using gifts that God has given us to be able to bless and meet the needs of others. When we think about the word ministry, we think about the word minister, and, and that leads us to think about pastor. And, and so when it comes to ministry, sometimes we, we can kind of push it off on pastors or missionaries or, or, or maybe leaders only. But you and I are to be ministers. We are to be involved in ministry. Now a pastor or a missionary, uh, those are individuals who are ministering, you might call it full-time. But every believer, every, every member of the body of Christ, we are to be a minister. We are to help bless and serve one another. Ministry is not something that only pastors or only missionaries or only evangelists or only board members or only teachers do. We are all called to minister and to meet needs. Anytime you use your talents, anytime you use your gifts or abilities, anytime you use finances or time or intelligence or energy, physical skill or opportunities to come, anything that God has given you to help someone else, in Jesus' name, that's ministry. Now, you can look around and say, well, I might not have what this person has. So, so go ahead and start looking around. And invariably, you'll look at someone and say, well, I, I don't have what they have, or I can't do what they do. I can't speak in front of people like they do. I can't sing like they do. I can't play an instrument like they do. I can't fill in the blank like they do. But what has God blessed you with? Something. God has blessed and equipped and given gifts and abilities and interests and desires in our personality traits and in, in our physical makeup and our background of experience you name it god has he's kind of created and crafted a very unique setting in you and however he's crafted and created you you can use that to be a blessing to someone else it doesn't always have to be as a part of the church. Certainly, things are a little bit more limited in our gatherings together, in the ministries together at this moment. But there's a lot of different ways to minister or to be a blessing to someone else. Be a blessing to someone in your household or family. Be a blessing to somebody in your neighborhood, somebody at school, somebody at work, somebody in the community. What has God gifted you or blessed you or equipped you with? Begin to think. Maybe take a little bit of a, of a personal inventory and say, then, God, here's how you've blessed. Here's how you've equipped me. Here's how you have kind of poured into my life. Who can I be a blessing to? Who do I know in my world that I could, I could invest in, I could bless in some way? Now, in the early church, a lot of it, certainly when it talks about selling property and possessions, there were a lot of things that were done that were physical and or financial. And those are a part of blessings and a part of ministries. But not every opportunity of ministry is physical or financial. Some of you out there have got some incredible smiles. You might not all be doing that right now, which is a shame. Some of you are, and we just can't see them because you got the mask on. 
But I, I see your eyes are smiling for you. But, I mean, there are people that you and I come into contact that a great ministry is a smile. Because maybe someone hasn't seen one of those in a while. A kind word. I mean, in, in our day and age and culture and, and maybe even political climate and all kinds of stuff, there are all kinds of words being slung around. But many times kind, encouraging, build-you-up kind of words, if we're not careful, they can be few and far between. Maybe you can minister the gift of encouragement to a, a family member, a friend, or someone that you come in contact with. It's not just, well, can I or can I not preach? Can I or can I not sing? Can I or can I not play an instrument? Those are some visible opportunities of ministry that we see on a Sunday morning. But understand, those are far from the only kinds of service or ways to minister. Yes, God, God gifts in, in musical abilities and, and God gifts in, in maybe teaching and preaching and speaking and, and all those kinds of abilities. But there are a lot of other things that maybe are not always up front. That are ways to bless, ways to share, ways to serve, ways to minister. So think about that person in your school, that person in your job, that person in your community, that person that you are coming face to face with every so often. God, how can I be a blessing? How can I serve? How can I minister to them? Back a number of months ago, as we took a look at our 2020 vision and beyond, when we talked about serving and ministry, we said this, walk in faithful ministry. So getting involved in some area or aspect of ministry as God leads or nudges or, or uh, equips you. Another part of serving or ministry we talked about <clears throat> was cultivating a heart of giving. That's a way that we can bless. That's a way that we can serve as we give financially to our church. Our church able to support ministries and missionaries uh, abroad, at home, locally. That is a way of ministering and serving. We talked about a, a mindset of multiplication and wearing a Christ-like attitude in the midst of everything that we do. How we serve is just as important as the fact that we do serve. You and I know, if you've been to different places, it might be the person checking you out in line at a grocery store, or it could be the person taking your order at a fast food restaurant or a sit-down restaurant. How many of you know that the attitude of the person serving you or blessing you is pretty important? I would, I would venture to say every single one of us have had examples of positive and negative, right? There are people in the store who could care less that you came to their store to purchase something. They get paid by the hour, and, and they're just going through the motions. They really don't care that you're there. And then you've been to the store and that checkout person, they, they see you as kind of that long-lost friend. I mean, the, the attitude with which they are serving or working or ministering really has an effect. Same thing in a restaurant. 
whether it's fast food or sit down, I'm sure that you've had some positive and negative examples, right? People who, who just kind of slop the food in front of you or kind of throw it at you through the window or people who are so smiley and it's such an honor and such a pleasure to be able to bless and to serve you. So the attitude with which we serve is just as important as the fact that we've chosen to serve. So how we serve in the local body, how we serve in church is important. The attitude with which we carry ourselves, how we, how we serve one another in our households or in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our job setting. The how is important. So the believers, the early church, they were stronger together as they connected, as they were growing, as they were serving. And I believe the same thing about the local body. Outer Assembly of God, you and I, we are stronger together when we connect, stronger together when we grow, stronger together when we serve, and yes, stronger together, number four, as we go. Verse 41, if we back up just a verse, this is the very end of Peter's message. Uh, they had just got done talking about, you know, what should we do to be saved? He talks about repenting. And then verse 41 says, Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number. Verse 43, they were filled with awe at the many wonders and signs. In verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, the going part, the sharing the good news part is, you would call that evangelism. That's, that's kind of the church phrase, if you would. But Jesus himself, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, right? We call it the Great Commission. The commission, the job, the task, if you would, is for you and me to go. We're to share the good news, if you have good news, do you like to keep it to yourself? Typically, you don't. Even sometimes if it's a, a secret or surprise, it's really hard to keep it to yourself, right? Well, when, you, when you come across something exciting, whatever that is, you want to tell it. You want to share it. Might be a sale you came across. Might be a great meal that you ate. A great new recipe you tried, whatever it is, we tend to like to share good news. Sometimes people share bad news as well, but we like to focus on the good news many times. The good news of the gospel, that's Jesus Christ. The good news of the gospel is, no matter what it is that you've done in your life in the past, the Bible calls that sin, no matter what you've done, you can come to Jesus Christ. He will cleanse and forgive and free you from your sins. That's incredibly good news. Peter was preaching a message about the good news, and people responded. They accepted the message, and the Lord added to the body. As we preach, as we teach, as we share, it's not just on a Sunday. Yes, people can come in, they can worship with us Sunday mornings at 10.30. And they can hear the message and they can come forward to an altar or raise a hand and pray and, and receive Jesus Christ. But guess what? People can respond to the good news at a time other than Sundays at 
People can respond to the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. That's good news to go and to take it. Everybody needs to hear it. Everybody needs to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. And in the early church here in the book of Acts, they were doing a good job of sharing. They didn't, they didn't necessarily build this massive tent and invite people in. They were going to people and sharing. Now, yes, they were in temple courts, and yes, they were gathering in their homes, but they were all out and about where the people were. And they're sharing the good news of Jesus, and people are responding. Chances are pretty good. If you're a Christian in this place, if, if you're a Christian watching online or listening, chances are somebody shared the good news with you. Now, it might have been a family member, mom or dad or a grandparent. It could have been a family member. It could have been a friend. It could have been somebody at church. It could have been somebody in your neighborhood, down the street, at school, at at the job, chances are good that somebody invited or somebody shared Jesus with you. And you and I responded. The question for you and I then today in response is, who are we sharing with? See, this early church, they were stronger together because they were going and sharing the good news. You and I are to do that as well. Let's not leave the good news here. Sundays at 1030, we hear the good news. God's word is, uh, is taught and preached. We can hear the good news. But let's not leave it here. Let's take it with us wherever we go. Take and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, well, I don't know what to say. You don't have to have a three-point or four-point or five-point message. What's the good news? Jesus has cleansed and forgiven me. My life before Christ was this. My life after Christ is different. He can do the same. He can cleanse you. He can forgive you. Maybe it's a testimony of what Jesus has done. Maybe it's a, a scripture verse that you read and it's kind of on your heart and you encounter somebody at work or at school or in the community and, and God nudges you to, to share that verse. You don't have it memorized, but you do your best to share, and God uses you and equips you to share this good news of Jesus with somebody else. Certainly, you can invite somebody with you to church. Again, a little different in our COVID day and age, but you can still invite people right here to worship with us or invite somebody to watch with you. If you're watching on Facebook right now, go ahead and click and start a watch party on your Facebook. Invite somebody to watch this service with you. If you're listening to the podcast, you're finding it on algerag.com, or you're finding this on the iTunes podcasts, stop it, pause it, find somebody and share this with. There's a lot of different ways we can share the good news of Jesus with somebody else. It's a quick question. It's going to make you think. It's not going to be too hard, I guarantee it. Who in your world does not know Jesus? Who in your world? Chances are good there's at least one family member somewhere in your family. Chances are good there's somebody in your school, in your class, 
somebody at the job or at the workplace, somebody up and down your street somewhere, somebody in the community where you visit or frequent. Chances are good there's a whole bunch of people who do not know Jesus. So in response to the going, yes, missionaries go and they go all across the world, many to places that we might never get to. But chances are also good that you and I get to places those missionaries will never get to. Those missionaries are not in your schools. Those missionaries are not in your job or in your homes or in your community. So we've got the opportunity. We've got the privilege to go and to share and to take the good news to someone who doesn't know. So that person or persons who came to mind, would you take just a moment and say, God, what can I do to share Jesus with them? To share the good news with them. Begin praying. Begin believing that God can use you and equip you to make a difference in their life. Maybe to give you an opportunity to, to share your story. So we took a look at this part of the 2020 and beyond vision. We talked about having an attitude of availability. God, I'm ready to be used. Sometimes it comes when you least expect it. Maybe you're running late, and then somehow you bump into somebody, and God opens up an opportunity to share Jesus Christ. Do we have that attitude of availability? Talked about the culture of multiplication, reaching more people who can reach more people who can reach more people for Jesus. Increasing our missions capacity. How we support missions and missionaries, wanting to give more to missions, wanting to support more missionaries to reach more parts around the world, and kind of ending back where we started by engaging our community, either as a church body or individually. See, the early church was stronger together, and I believe our local body can be stronger together as we put into practice these things. I came across these quotes as we close. It says, we are stronger together when we are warm and inviting. We are weaker when we are cold and unwelcoming. We're stronger together when we are marked by compassion, weaker when we are marked by criticism. We are stronger together when we're committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are weaker when we are committed purely to tradition. We are stronger together when we walk by faith, weaker when we walk by sight. Stronger together when we're focused upward and outward reaching others, weaker when we are focused purely on inward. Stronger together when we're a spiritual hospital. Weaker when we are a spiritual museum. Stronger together when we believe that our best days are ahead. And weaker together when we believe that we dwell on the glory of the days gone by. Stronger together when everybody knows how much we care. Weaker when no one cares how much we know. The early church was stronger together as they were connecting and growing and serving and going. And I believe the local church, our body, is stronger together as we connect. Connect to God, connect to others. Be willing to share your life and invest in others. We're stronger together as we grow. To become a mature follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ in his word and in prayer. We're stronger together when we serve using what God's blessed us with to 
be able to bless others. And we're stronger together when we go. Let us share the good news of Jesus Christ with others.